We'll be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 18. One of the best things about Christmas is time with family and friends. Those times that you remember, probably you have those, those times that you think back when you went to your grandmother's house and the traditions that you had, the food you enjoyed, the times that you had there. You can remember some special parties that you attended over the years, these memories that you have. But even as we think about time with family can be great and special, time with family especially can also be a really hard thing about Christmas. Let's face it, every family has one strange relative, and as the saying goes, if you're not sure who it is, maybe it's you. (laughs) But beyond just different and strange, there can be some deep hurts that you think about as you think about gathering with family. You remembered what happened five years ago, and everyone else wanted to move on, but it still hurts. Maybe you have their one family member who doesn't even try to be a part of the family. You may have a family gathering that you dread going to because so-and-so is going to be there, and you're not sure how to interact with them. What we want to be a joyful and glad time can turn into a stressful time for us. What's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year can be filled with difficult moments. Is that how it should be? Can we avoid that? What if we just stick to ourselves or our own immediate family? Then maybe everything will be just fine. But you probably all know, even in your own immediate family, there's challenges that you face that you have to walk through. So rather than avoiding everyone, rather than creating these unrealistic expectations about what things are going to be like, or just throwing up your hands in despair, saying, I'm just going to forget it all, we need to pause and recognize one of the reasons why Jesus came. One of the reasons why Jesus came. I'm going to look at this today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And one of the reasons why Jesus came is that Jesus came so that we could be reconciled to God and others. We could be reconciled to God and others. This theme of reconciliation is used in this passage a number of times here. And so we want to look at this. What does it mean to be reconciled? What do we need to know about reconciliation? We want to look at three truths from this passage of Scripture this morning. Even as we see this is a prevalent theme here, in verse 18, the word reconcile, some variation of it, is used twice, who has reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In the end of verse 19, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In the end of verse 20, be reconciled to God. So clearly this is a theme of these verses. And so we want to look at that today. And the first truth that we want to consider is this. We all need to be reconciled to God. We all need to be reconciled to God. What does that look like to be reconciled to God? What does that mean? Aaron, could you turn on the TV in the back there so I can see where we're, we're going here, please? We all need to be reconciled to God. What does reconciliation mean? Uh, to be reconciled, made right relationship, and particularly as we think about it in regards to God, we want to consider this, that reconciliation is a sinner's 
state of separation from God that is done away with and restored to a relationship of peace. It is restored to a relationship of peace. One more time, Aaron. So we are want to look at this today. What does it mean that we need to be reconciled to God? We are separated from God. That relationship is not there. We need to be restored to a relationship of peace. Now, verse 18 starts out with this. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we are this need to be reconciled to God, and God is the one who is working this out to reconcile us to himself. And to understand this, we need to start by looking at what the Bible says about us and our sin. The Bible is clear. Each of us has sinned against God. God is the creator of the world. He is the one who has given us life. He has every right to say what is right and wrong. Sin is any action, word, or attitude that is against God's character or his word. Sin is things like lying, cheating, immorality, using God's name as a curse word, hating others, coveting, being selfish, gossiping, or being proud. And this is just a start. The reality is we all know a lot about sin, whether we call it sin or not, is because we're very easily and naturally selfish And sin comes to us so easy in our selfishness. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is what is true of each of us. And sin against God is a big deal, for that's what makes us enemies of God. We don't naturally want to please God and to do what he wants. Just like a child who's told not to touch something, and what do they want to do? They want to touch that. So too, when we encounter God's laws, his rules, we say, no, I want to push the limits. I want to go beyond what he has said. It's another name for sin is transgression. Go beyond what we should. And so too, that is what we naturally go to. We can think of relationships in our lives that seem messy. But what we need to realize is that with God, our relationship with God is messy. We keep on doing things that he doesn't want us to do, digging ourselves into a deeper hole. In our sin, we're separated from God. If we'd really look at it, we'd say, we don't even have a relationship with God. We're separated from him. What we deserve from God, who is perfect, holy, and righteous, is that we deserve his judgment, eternal judgment, separated in hell, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Those who reject Christ will face this eternal destruction away from the presence of God. And even as could consider the, the horrors of hell, the worst part is being away from God's good presence. And that's what sin leads to. Consequences, death, eternal. And that's what we all deserve. And we, on our own, we're not naturally concerned about it. We're blind to our spiritual condition, and indeed, that we are enemies of God. I was sharing one time in a group setting about the uh, topic of reconciliation 
and that we're enemies of God. And the lady responded, enemy? Why would I be an enemy of God? Right away, I understood several things. One, she hadn't really heard about the topic of reconciliation from the Bible before. And second, that she didn't really think of herself as a sinner against God. She thought she was good before God. Good enough anyways. But that's what we're not. We're not good enough. And we need to recognize that what God says about us is true. That we are sinners and that we deserve his judgment. And that we need to agree with God that we are sinners in that place of of condemnation before him if we're ever going to be reconciled to him. You know, when we experience a conflict, a problem, some blow up, Often it can go for a long time, it can go on, unless someone is able to take the first step towards pursuing that reconciliation. And you know how often it can be someone says, they initiate, they say, I'm sorry for what I did. Or can we please talk about this? You know, in regards to God, we weren't the ones taking the first step towards him. He was the one who took the first step towards us. This is what verse 18 is saying, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. God took the first step so that we could be reconciled to him by sending Jesus to this earth. He sent his own son in his love here that Jesus left heaven and came to earth, became a baby, grew to become a man, and never sinned. Yet Jesus was put to death upon the cross. And verse 21 tells us why Jesus died and the significance of this. He says in verse 21, For he, that's speaking of God the Father, made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. God made Jesus, who was perfect and sinless, to be sin for us. There upon the cross, he took the punishment for our sins that we rightly deserved. He suffered in our place so that the result that we might become what the righteousness of God in him. This is called the great exchange where Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world and he gives to those who believe in him his righteousness. So they're no longer condemned before God, but they have the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. They have it now a personal relationship with God, one that is one, a relationship of peace with God. This is the glorious news of the gospel, that if you believed in Christ as your Savior, that he took your sin upon yourself, then you are righteous in Jesus' sight. You have experienced his grace and mercy. But if you have not agreed with God that you are a sinner and turned in faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you will have to pay the punishment for your sin. You're still an enemy of God, and you need to be reconciled to him. So I want to ask you today, are you reconciled to God? Do you know that your sins are forgiven and that you have his righteousness? If not, you can talk to God right now that you can tell him of your sin and that you believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, that he died for you and he rose again from the dead. Ask God to come into your life and save you from your sins and give you eternal life. You know, everyone's greatest need is to be reconciled to God. 
And even as we think about the need, the greatest need of your family and friends, that is their greatest need as well, to be reconciled to God. And I think that helps us, even as we think about gathering together with family, if someone doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's probably why they're acting the way that they are. They aren't reconciled to God. They're not caring about what he says. They're not caring about perhaps relationships in their lives to the same extent that we should. And so it helps us in that perspective, but it helps us too is that we have a renewed perspective and focus that just as if we know Christ is our Savior, we're reconciled to God. That's what we want for others as well, for them to be reconciled to God. This leads us to the second truth. second truth of reconciliation with God is this. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Look at the end of verse 18. The ministry of reconciliation. The end of verse 19. And has committed to us the word or message of reconciliation. In verse 20. We read, now, when, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God sent Jesus so we can be reconciled to him, but also he has given us who have trusted in Jesus as our Savior this ministry of reconciliation. And this we are to do as ambassadors of Christ, urging others to be reconciled to God. Now, a true and faithful ambassador doesn't come up with their own message that they want to share with another country. They better be sharing the message that their country wants them to share, that wants them to represent. And so too, even as ambassadors of Christ, we don't have to come up with the message. This is the good news of the gospel, why Christ has come to die for us, rise again, so we can be forgiven as we trust in him as our savior. This is the message of the gospel, the message of reconciliation that we are to share. So we don't have to come up with the message, but we are to be faithfully sharing that message. And there's a sense of urgency. Look at verse 20, it says, as though God were pleading through us. So we're his representatives. It's if God is pleading, we're pleading on God's behalf. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's a sense of urgency, of importance that we should enter into fulfilling this ministry of reconciliation. Certainly it's not done in any manipulative or deceptive ways, but with godly sincerity, we should urge people to turn to Christ for forgiveness of sins. He has come so they can be reconciled to God. But as we think about family gatherings, the reality is that many times family can get together with very little being said about Jesus. You can have a lot of great time together. You can exchange gifts, eat good food, laugh and tell stories and barely talk about Jesus. You can spend time with your friends doing things you enjoy and still not talk about Jesus. And this passage calls us to every time. But what about Christmas? What better time than Christmas to share the message of reconciliation? To bring up why Jesus came. 
to talk about it. Whether it's the 20th time you've read the Christian story, Christmas story, to read it again and share why it is so meaningful to you. To take time to share your story of salvation, how you came to faith in Christ. And to ask your family and friends if they are reconciled to God. All of this while praying for opportunities to share that message of reconciliation and taking those opportunities to share, turning conversations toward Jesus Christ and why he came. Jesus came so we could be reconciled to God. If you're a believer in Christ, he has given to you this ministry of reconciliation for you to share with others the good news of the gospel so that they can be reconciled to God. But it doesn't stop there. We seek to be reconciled to God with our family and friends as well. The message of the gospel is how we can be reconciled to God. That's vertical. How can I be right with God? No longer his enemy, but have a relationship of peace with him. But that reconciliation also has a horizontal dimension to it. That is, it should lead to reconciliation with others as well. We should seek to be right in our relationships with others, that we are not purposely sinning against them and ignoring that. We have not done something that we haven't sought their forgiveness, at least to our knowledge about. We're seeking to be right in our relationships with the people around us. In fact, if we don't do that, we will do the gospel a great disservice if we go around trying to share the gospel if our lives are filled with broken relationships relationships that we're not trying to restore. Because of Christ, we should pursue also reconciliation with others. We should work to resolve conflict. We should work to show love despite differences and different viewpoints. And while every relationship cannot be restored or every conflict resolved, we should be seeking to do our part in trying to restore that relationship in pursuing reconciliation with others. This is where Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So there's the goal to live peaceably with all, and we are to do everything as much as possible. It indicates sometimes it's not possible, but it shouldn't be because we've thrown up our hands in despair but because of other circumstances, we should do as much as we can to live peaceably with all men. We had, have a peace sign in our home. I brought it today. It's on the communion table. And one of the kids knocked it over, and it broke. The peace in our house was broken. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way, doesn't it? As you're trying to pursue peace, even in your own homes, yet it's a struggle, even though we don't want it to be that way. I glued the sign back together. It's not perfect. If you look closely, you'll see the cracks. You'll see where the glue squeezed out, but it's together. Because of Christ, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, we should seek to pursue peace in our homes, in our families, with our friends. It should change how we view things as we carry out this ministry of reconciliation, trying to be reconciled to others. We are sinners who will sin against each other. 
There will be hurts and scars. But because of Jesus, we don't let those scars and hurts define us and settle in with bitterness and anger. But rather, we seek to show the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That we pass on the forgiveness that Christ has shown us to others. We show forbearance, putting up with people, even when it's hard and difficult. We should be kind to others, even if they're not kind to us. We should ask God to let us, to let go of the hurts and the words that were said and pursuing reconciliation with others. So this means, because of Jesus, we don't just try to stay to ourselves. We show love to others. We go to the family meetings, the parties, and we go seeking to be a peacemaker. You know, that means you don't bring up the things that you know will annoy Uncle Frank. We enter in with a spirit of grace, of forbearance, of kindness, showing love whether or not it is reciprocated or not. This is what God wants for us. And whether or not reconciliation will happen right away or happen at all, ultimately we're not in control of that. But we need to do our part to pursue reconciliation. And who knows what God might do this Christmas. This past week, talking with some guys, sharing about favorite Christmas carols and wasn't sure at first which one I enjoy so many of them. And then one came to mind, and it's not as the bulletin says, Hark the Angel, Herald Angels King, but Hark the Angel, Herald Angels Sing. Uh, I really appreciate that Christmas carol. It's certainly up to the top of the list. And I want to read the first verse for us. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and sinners reconciled. Mild he lays his glory by, born that men may, man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Why did Jesus come? He came so we could be reconciled to God and others. Are you reconciled to God? You know for sure that your sins are forgiven. You have eternal life with God in heaven. That is what we need to settle for ourselves, and that's what we want to encourage others as we share this ministry of reconciliation with others. Are you reconciled to God? That's what we need. That's what our family and friends need. And as uh, pursuing this ministry of reconciliation, we should as well seek to be reconciled to our family and friends. Perhaps there's a face, there's a name, there's a situation that comes right away to your minds. How would God want you to respond? It doesn't mean that the hurts aren't real. It doesn't mean that the difficult relationship is still not there. But what is a step that God would want you to take to pursue reconciliation with those around you. Do that and trust the Lord with the results as we grow in grasping this reconciliation between God and others.